Chapter One of Lad a Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Lad a Dog by Albert Payson Terhune. Chapter One His Mate lady was as much a part of lad's everyday happiness as the sunshine itself she seemed to him quite as perfect and as gloriously indispensable he could no more have imagined a ladyless life than a sunless life it had never occurred to him to suspect that lady could be any less devoted than he until knave came to the place lad was an eighty-pound collie thoroughbred in spirit as well as in blood he had the benign dignity that was a heritage from endless generations of high-strain ancestors he had too the gay courage of a d'artagnan and an uncanny wisdom also who could doubt it after a look into his mournful brown eyes he had a soul his shaggy coat set off by the snowy ruff and chest was like orange-flecked mahogany his absurdly tiny forepaws in which he took inordinate pride were silver-white three years earlier when lad was in his first prime before the mighty chest and shoulders had filled out and the tawny coat had waxed so shaggy lady had been brought to the place she had been brought in the master's overcoat pocket rolled up into a fuzzy gold gray ball of softness no bigger than a half-grown kitten the master had fished the month-old puppy out of the cavern of his pocket and set her down a sprawl and shivering and squealing on the veranda floor lad had walked cautiously across the veranda sniffed inquiry at the blinking pygmy who gallantly essayed to growl defiance up at the huge welcomer and from that first moment he had taken her under his protection first it had been the natural impulse of the thoroughbred brute or human to guard the helpless then as the shapeless yellow baby grew into a slenderly graceful collie his guardianship changed to stark adoration he was lady's love-slave and she bullied him unmercifully bossed the gentle giant in a shameful manner crowding him from the warmest spot by the fire brazenly yet daintily snatching from between his jaws the choicest bone of their joint dinner hectoring her dignified victim into lawn romps in hot weather when he would far rather have drowsed under the lakeside trees her vagaries her teasing her occasional little flurries of temper were borne by lad not meekly but joyously all she did was in his eyes perfect and lady graciously allowed herself to be idolized for she was marvelously human in some ways lad a thoroughbred descended from a hundred generations of thoroughbreds was less human and more disinterested life at the place was wondrous pleasant for both the dogs there were thick woods to roam in side by side there were squirrels to chase and rabbits to trail yes and if the squirrels had played fair and had not resorted to unsportsmanly tactics by climbing trees when close pressed there would doubtless have been squirrels to catch as well as to chase as for the rabbits they were easier to overtake and lady got the lion's share of all such morsels 
there was the ice-cool lake to plunge into for a swim or a wallow after a run in the dust and july heat there was a deliciously comfortable old rug in front of the living-room's open fire whereon to lie shoulder to shoulder on the nights when the wind screamed through bare trees and the snow scratched hungrily at the panes and best of all to them both there were the master and the mistress especially the mistress any man with money to make the purchase may become a dog's owner but no man spend he ever so much coin and food and tact in the effort may become a dog's master without the consent of the dog do you get the difference and he whom a dog once unreservedly accepts as master is forever that dog's god to both lad and lady from the first the man who bought them was not the mere owner but the absolute master to them he was the unquestioned lord of life and death the hearer and answerer the eternal law his the voice that must be obeyed whatever the command from earliest puppyhood both lad and lady had been brought up within the law as far back as they could remember they had known and obeyed the place's simple code for example all animals of the woods might lawfully be chased but the mistress's prize chickens and the other little folk of the place must be ignored no matter how hungry or how playful a collie might chance to be a human walking openly or riding down the drive into the place by daylight must not be barked at except by way of friendly announcement but anyone entering the grounds from other ingress than the drive or anyone walking furtively or the tramp slouch must be attacked at sight also the interior of the house was sacrosanct it was a place for perfect behavior no rug must be scratched nothing gnawed or played with in fact lady's one whipping had followed a puppy frolic effort of hers to worry the huge stuffed bald eagle that stood on a papier-mache stump in the master's study just off the big living-room where the fireplace was that eagle shot by himself as it raided the flock of prize chickens was the delight of the master's heart and at lady's attempt on it he had taught her a lesson that made her cringe for weeks thereafter at bare sight of the dog-whip to this day she would never walk past the eagle without making the widest possible detour around it but that punishment had been suffered while she was still in the idiotic days of puppyhood after she was grown lady would no more have thought of tampering with the eagle or with anything else in the house than it would occur to a human to stand on his head in church then early one spring came knave a showy magnificent collie red gold of coat save for a black saddle and with alert topaz eyes knave did not belong to the master but to a man who going to europe for a month asked him to care for the dog in his absence the master glad to have so beautiful an ornament to the place had willingly consented he was rewarded when on the train from town an admiring crowd of commuters flocked to the baggage car to stare at the splendid-looking collie the only dissenting note in the praise chorus was the grouchy old baggage-man's maybe he's a thoroughbred like you say drawled the old fellow to the master but i never yet saw a yellow-eyed prick-eared dog i'd give hell room to knave showed him scorn for such silly criticism by a cavernous yawn thoroughbred 
grunted the baggage man with them streaks of pinkish yeller on the roof of his mouth ever see a thoroughbred that didn't have a black mouth roof but the old man's slighting words were ignored with disdain by the crowd of volunteer dog experts in the baggage car in time the master alighted at his station with the knave straining joyously at the leash as the master reached the place and turned into the drive both lad and lady at sound of his far-off footsteps came tearing around the side of the house to greet him on simultaneous sight and scent of the strange dog frisking along at his side the two collies paused in their madly joyous onrush up went their ruffs down went their heads lady flashed forward to do battle with the stranger who was monopolizing so much of the master's attention knave not at all averse to battle especially with a smaller dog braced himself and then moved forward stiff-legged fangs bare but of a sudden his head went up his stiff poised brush broke into swift wagging his lips curled down he had recognized that his prospective foe was not of his own sex and nowhere except among humans does a full-grown male ill-treat or even defend himself against the female of his species lady noting the stranger's sudden friendliness paused irresolute in her charge and at that instant lad darted past her full at knave's throat he launched himself the master rasped out down lad down almost in mid-air the collie arrested his onset coming to earth bristling furious and yet with no thought but to obey knave seeing his foe was not going to fight turned once more toward lady lad ordered the master pointing toward knave and speaking with quiet intentness let him alone understand let him alone and lad understood even as years of training and centuries of ancestry had taught him to understand every spoken wish of the master's he must give up his impulse to make war on this intruder whom at sight he hated it was the law and from the law there was no appeal with yearningly helpless rage he looked on while the newcomer was installed on the place with a wondering sorrow he found himself forced to share the master's and mistress's caresses with this interloper with growing pain he submitted to knave's gay attentions to lady and to lady's evident relish of the guest's companionship gone were the peaceful old days of utter contentment lady had always regarded lad as her own special property to tease and to boss and to despoil of choice food bits but her attitude toward knave was far different she coquetted human fashion with a golden black dog at one moment affecting to scorn him at another meeting his advances with a delightful friendliness she never presumed to boss him as she had always bossed lad he fascinated her without seeming to follow him about she was forever at his heels lad cut to the heart at her sudden indifference towards his loyal self tried in every way his simple soul could devise to win back her interest he essayed clumsily to romp with her as the lithely graceful knave romped to drive rabbits for her on their woodland rambles to thrust himself in a dozen gentle ways upon her attention but it was no use lady scarcely noticed him when his overtures of friendship chanced to annoy her she rewarded them with a snap or with an impatient growl and ever she turned the all-conquering knave in a keenness of attraction that was all but hypnotic 
as his divinity's total loss of interest in himself grew too apparent to be doubted lad's big heart broke being only a dog and a grail knight in thought he did not realize that knave's newness and his difference from anything she had known formed a large part of lady's desire for the visitor's favor nor did he understand that such interest must wane when the novelty should wear off all lad knew was that he loved her and that for the sake of a flashy stranger she was snubbing him as the law forbade him to avenge himself in true dog fashion by fighting for his lady's love lad sadly withdrew from the unequal contest too proud to compete for a fickle sweetheart no longer did he try to join in the other's lawn romps but lay at a distance his splendid head between his snowy little forepaws his brown eyes sick with sorrow watching their gambols nor did he thrust his undesired presence on them during their woodland rambles he took to moping solitary infinitely miserable perhaps there is on earth something unhappier than a bitterly aggrieved dog but no one has ever discovered that elusive something knave from the first had shown and felt for lad a scornful indifference not understanding the law he had set down the older collie's refusal to fight as a sign of exemplary if timorous prudence and he looked down upon him accordingly one day knave came home from the morning run through the forest with that lady neither the master's calls nor the ear-ripping blast of his dog whistle could bring her back to the place whereat lad arose heavily from his favorite resting place under the living-room piano and cantered off to the woods nor did he return several hours later the master went to the woods to investigate followed by the rollicking knave at the forest edge the master shouted a far-off bark from lad answered and the master made his way through shoulder-deep underbrush in the direction of the sound in the clearing he found lady her left forepaw caught in the steel jaws of a fox-trap lad was standing protectingly above her stooping now and then to lick her cruelly pinched foot or to whine consolation to her then snarling in fierce hate at a score of crows that flapped hopefully in the tree-tops above the victim the master set lady free and knave frisked forward right joyously to greet his released inamorata but lady was in no condition to play then nor for many a day thereafter her forefoot was so lacerated and swollen that she was fain to hobble awkwardly on three legs for the next fortnight it was on one pantingly hot august morning a little later the lady limped into the house in search of a cool spot where she might lie and lick her throbbing forefoot lad was lying as usual under the piano in the living-room his tail thumped shy welcome on the hardwood floor as she passed but she would not stay or so much as notice him on she limped into the master's study where an open window sent a faint breeze through the house giving the stuffed eagle a wide berth lady hobbled to the window and made as though to lie down just beneath it as she did so two things happened she leaned too much weight on the sore foot and the pressure wrung from her an involuntary yelp of pain at the same moment a cross-current of air from the other side of the house swept through the living-room and blew shut the door of the adjoining study lady was a prisoner ordinarily this would have caused her no ill ease for the open window was only thirty inches above the floor and the drop to the veranda outside was a bare three feet it would have been the simplest matter in the world for her to jump out had she wearied of her chance captivity 
but to undertake the jump with the prospect of landing her full weight an impetus on a forepaw that was horribly sensitive to the lightest touch this was an exploit beyond the sufferer's will-power so lady resigned herself to imprisonment she curled herself up on the floor as far as possible from the eagle moaned softly and lay still at sound of her first yelp lad had run forward whining eager sympathy but the closed door blocked his way he crouched wretched and anxious before it helpless to get to his loved one's assistance knave too loping back from a solitary prowl of the woods seeking lady heard the yelp his prick ears located the sound at once along the veranda he trotted to the open study window with a bound he had cleared the sill and alighted inside the room it chanced to be his first visit to the study the door was usually kept shut that drafts might not blow the master's desk papers about and nay felt at best little interest in exploring the interior of houses he was an outdoor dog by choice he advanced now toward lady his tail a wag his head on one side with his most irresistible air and then as he came forward into the room he saw the eagle he halted in wonder at sight of the enormous white-crested bird with its six-foot sweep of pinion it was a wholly novel spectacle to knave and he greeted it with a gruff bark half of fear half of bravado quickly however his sense of smell told him this wide-winged apparition was no living thing and ashamed of his momentary cowardice he went over to investigate it as he went knave cast over his shoulder a look of invitation to lady to join him in his inspection she understood the invitation but memory of that puppyhood beating made her recoil from accepting it knave saw her shrink back and he realized with a thrill that she was actually afraid of this lifeless thing which could harm no one with due pride in showing off his own heroism before her and with the scamp dog's innate cravings to destroy he sprang growling upon the eagle down tumbled the papier-mâché stump down crashed the huge stuffed bird with it knave's white teeth buried deep in the soft feathers of its breast lady horror-struck at the sacrilege whimpered in terror but her plaint served only to increase knave's zest for destruction he hurled the bird to the floor pinned it down with his feet and at one jerk tore the right wing from the body coughing out the mouthful of dusty pinions he dug his teeth into the eagle's throat again bracing himself with his forelegs on the carcass he gave a sharp tug head and neck came away in his mouth and then before he could drop the mouthful and return to the work of demolition he heard the master's step all at once now knave proved he was less ignorant of the law or at least of its penalties than might have been supposed from his act of vandalism in sudden panic he bolted for the window the silvery head of the eagle still unheeded between his jaws with a vaulting spring he shot out through the open casement in his reckless eagerness to escape knocking against lady's injured leg as he passed he did not pause at lady's scream of pain nor did he stop until he reached the chicken house crawling under this he deposited the incriminating eagle head in the dark recess finding no pursuer he emerged and jogged innocently back toward the veranda the master entering the house walking across the living-room toward the stairs heard lady's cry he looked around for her recognizing from the sound that she must be in distress his eye fell on lad crouching tense and eager in front of the shut study door the master opened the door 
and went into the study at the first step inside the room he stopped aghast there lay the chewed and battered fragments of his beloved eagle and there in one corner frightened with guilt writ plain all over her coward lady men have been legally done to death on far lighter evidence than encompassed her the master was thunderstruck for more than two years lady had had the free run of the house and this was her first sin at that a sin unworthy any well-bred dog that has graduated from puppyhood and from milk teeth he would not have believed it he could not have believed it yet here is the hideous evidence scattered all over the floor the door was shut but the window stood wide through the window doubtless she had gotten into the room and he had surprised her at her vandal work before she could escape by the same opening the master was a just man as humans go but this was a crime the most maudlin dog spoiler could not have condoned the eagle moreover had been the pride of his heart as perhaps i have said without a word he walked to the wall and took down a braided dog whip dust covered from long disuse lady knew what was coming being a thoroughbred she did not try to run nor did she roll for mercy she cowered moveless nose to floor awaiting her doom back swished the lash down it came whistling as a man whistles whose teeth are broken across lady's slender flanks it smote with the full force of a strong driving arm lady quivered all over but she made no sound she who would whimper at a chance touch to her sore foot was mute under human punishment but lad was not mute as the master's arm swung back for a second blow he heard just behind a low throaty growl that held all the menace of ten thousand wordy threats he wheeled about lad was close at his heels fangs bared eyes red head lowered tawny body taut in every sinew the master blinked at him incredulous here is something infinitely more unbelievable than lady's supposed destruction of the eagle the impossible had come to pass for no well a dog does not growl at its master at its owner perhaps at its master never as soon would a devout priest blaspheme his deity nor does a dog approach anything or anybody growling and with lowered head unless intent on battle have no fear when a dog barks or even growls at you so long as his head is erect but when he growls and lowers his head then look out it means but one thing the master had been the master the sublime blindly revered and worshipped master for all the blameless years of lad's life and now growling head down the dog was threatening him it was the supreme misery the crowning hell of lad's career for the first time two overpowering loves fought with each other in his galahad soul and the love for poor unjustly blamed lady hurled down the super-love for the master in bearing teeth upon his lord the collie well knew what he was incurring but he did not flinch understanding that swift death might well be his portion he stood his ground is there greater love humans sighing swains vow-laden suitors can any of you match it i think not not even the much lauded antonies they throw away only the mere world of earthly credit for love the master's jaw set he was well-nigh as unhappy as the dog for he grasped the situation 
and he was man enough to honor Lad's proffered sacrifice. Yet it must be punished, and punished instantly, as any dog-master will testify. Let a dog once growl or show his teeth in menace at his master, and if the rebellion be not put down in drastic fashion, the master ceases forever to be master, and degenerates to mere owner. His mysterious power over his dog is gone for all time. Turning his back on Lady, the master whirled his dog-whip in air. Lad saw the lash coming down. He did not flinch. He did not cower. The growl ceased. The orange tawny collie stood erect. Down came the braided whiplash on Lad's shoulders. Again over his loins, and yet again, and again. Without moving head up, dark tender eyes unwinking, the hero dog took the scourging. When it was over, he waited only to see the master throw the dog whip fiercely into a corner of the study. Then, knowing Lady was safe, Lad walked majestically back to his cave under the piano, and with a long, quivering sigh he lay down. His spirit was sick and crushed within him. For the first time in his thoroughbred life he had been struck, for he was one of those not wholly rare dogs to whom a sharp word of reproof is more effective than a beating, to whom a blow is not a pain, but a damning and overwhelming ignominy. Had a human, other than the master, resumed to strike him, the assailant must have fought for life. Through the numbness of Lad's grief, bit by bit, began to smolder and glow a deathless hate for Knave, the cause of Lady's humiliation. Lad had known what passed behind that closed study door, as well as though he had seen for ears and scent serve a true collie quite as usefully as do mere eyes. The master was little happier than was his favorite dog, for he loved Lad as he would have loved a human son. Though Lad did not realize it, the master had led off Lady from the rest of her beating, in order not to increase her champion's grief. He simply ordered her out of the study. And as she limped away, the master tried to rekindle his own indignation and deaden his sense of remorse by gathering together the strewn fragments of the eagle. It occurred to him that though the bird was destroyed, he might yet have its fierce-eyed silvery head mounted on a board as a minor trophy. But he could not find the head. Search the study as he would, he could not find it. He remembered distinctly that Lady had been panting as she slunk out of the room, and dogs that are carrying things in their mouths cannot pant. She had not taken the head away with her. The absence of the head only deepened the whole annoying domestic mystery. He gave up trying to solve any of the puzzle, from Lady's incredible vandalism to this newest turn of the affair. Not until two days later could Lad bring himself to risk a meeting with Lady, the cause and the witness of his beating. Then, yearning for a sight of her, and for even her grudged recognition of his presence, after his forty-eight hours of isolation, he sallied forth from the house in search of her. He traced her to the cool shade of a lilac clump near the outbuildings. There, having with one paw dug a little pit in the cool earth, she was curled up asleep under the bushes. Stretched out beside her was Knave. Lad's spine bristled at sight of his foe, but ignoring him, he moved over to Lady and touched her nose with his own in timid caress. She opened one eye, blinked drowsily, and went to sleep again. But Lad's coming had awakened Knave. Much refreshed by his nap, he woke in playful mood. He tried to induce Lady to romp with him, but she preferred to doze. So, casting about in his shallow mind for something to play with, 
Knave chanced to remember the prize he had hidden beneath the chicken-house. Away he ambled, returning presently with the eagle's head between his teeth. As he ran, he tossed it aloft, catching it as it fell, a pretty trick he had long since learned with a tennis-ball. Lad, who had lain down as near to sleepily scornful lady as he dared, looked up and saw him approach. He saw, too, with what Knave was playing, and as he saw, he went quite mad. Here was the thing that had caused Lady's interrupted punishment, and his own black disgrace. Knave was exploiting it with manifest and brazen delight. For the second time in his life, and for the second time in three days, Lad broke the law. He forgot, in a trice, the command, let him alone, and noiseless terrible he flew at the gambling Knave. Knave was aware of the attack, barely in time to drop the eagle's head and spring forward to meet his antagonist. He was three years Lad's junior, and was perhaps five pounds heavier. Moreover, constant exercise had kept him in steel and whalebone condition, while lonely brooding at home had begun of late to soften Lad's tough sinews. Knave was mildly surprised that the dog he had looked on as a dullard and a poltroon should have developed a flash of spirit, but he was not at all unwilling to wage a combat whose victory must make him shine with redoubled glory in Lady's eyes. Like two furry whirlwinds, the collies spun forward toward each other. They met, upreared and snarled, slashing wolf-like for the throat clawing madly to retain balance then down they went rolling in a right unloving embrace snapping tearing growling lad drove straight for the throat a half handful of knave's golden ruff came away in his jaws for except at the exact centre a collie's throat is protected by a tangle of hair as effective against assault as were andrew jackson's cotton bale breastworks at new orleans and lad had missed the exact centre over and over they rolled they regained their footing and reared again lad's sabre-shaped tusk ripped a furrow in knave's satiny forehead and knave's half-deflected slash in return set bleeding the big vein at the top of lad's left ear lady was wide awake long before this standing immovable yet wildly excited after the age-old fashion of the female brute for whom males battle and who knows she is to be the winner's prize she watched every turn of the fight up once more the dogs clashed chest to chest knave with an instinctive throwback to his wolf forebears of five hundred years earlier dived for lad's forelegs with the hope of breaking one of them between his foaming jaws he missed the hold by a fraction of an inch the skin alone was torn and down over the little white forepaw one of the forepaws that lad was wont to lick for an hour a day to keep them snowy ran a trickle of blood that miss was a costly error for knave for lad's teeth sought and found his left shoulder and sank deep therein knave twisted and wheeled with lightning speed and with all his strength yet had he not his gold-hued ruff choked lad and pressed stranglingly against his nostrils all the heavier dog's struggles would not have set him free as it was lad gasping for breath enough to fill his lungs relaxed his grip ever so slightly and in that fraction of a second knave tore free leaving a mouthful of hair and skin in his enemy's jaws in the same wrench that liberated him and as the relieved tension sent lad stumbling forward knave instinctively saw his chance and took it again heredity came to his aid for he tried a manoeuvre known only to wolves and to collies 
flashing above his stumbling foe's head knave seized lad from behind just below the base of the skull and holding him thus helpless he proceeded to grit and grind his tight clenched teeth in the slow relentless motion that must soon or late eat down to and sever the spinal cord lad even as he thrashed frantically about felt there was no escape he was well nigh as powerless against a strong opponent in this position as is a puppy that is held up by the scruff of the neck without a sound but still struggling as best he might he awaited his fate no longer was he growling or snarling his patient bloodshot eyes sought wistfully for lady and they did not find her for even as they sought her a novel element entered into the battle lady hitherto awaiting with true feminine meekness the outcome of the scrimmage saw her old flame's terrible plight under the grinding jaws and proving herself false to all canons of ancestry moved by some impulse she did not try to resist she jumped forward forgetting the pain in her swollen foot she nipped knaves sharply in the hind leg then as if abashed by her unfeminine behavior she drew back in shame but the work was done through the red war lust knave dimly realized that he was attacked from behind perhaps that his new opponent stood an excellent chance of gaining upon him such a death-hold as he himself now held he loosed his grip and whizzed about frothing and snapping to face the danger before knave had half completed his lightning whirl lad had him by the side of the throat it was no death-grip this yet it was not only acutely painful but it held its victim quite as powerless as he had just now held lad bearing down with all his weight and setting his white little front teeth and his yellowing tusks firmly in their hold lad gradually shoved knave's head sideways to the ground and held it there the result on knave's activities was much the same as obtained by sitting on the head of a kicking horse that has fallen unable to wrench loose helpless to counter in keen agony from the pinching of the tender throat skin beneath the masses of ruff knave lost his nerve and he forthwith justified those yellowish streaks in his mouth-roof whereof the baggage-man had spoken he made the air vibrate with his abject howls of pain and fear he was caught he could not get away lad was hurting him horribly wherefore he kayed as might any gutter cur whose tail is stepped upon presently beyond the fight haze lad saw a shadow in front of him a shadow that resolved itself in the settling dust as the master and lad came to himself he loosed his hold on knave's throat and stood up groggily knave still yelping tucked his tail between his legs and fled for his life out of the place out of your story slowly stumblingly but without a waver of hesitation lad went up to the master who was gasping for breath and he was weak from fearful exertion and from loss of blood up to the master he went straight up to him and not until he was a scant two yards away did he see that the master held something in his hand that abominable mischief-making eagle's head which he had just picked up probably the dog-whip was in the other hand it did not matter much lad was ready for this final degradation he would not try to dodge it he the double-breaker of laws then the master was kneeling beside him the kind hand was caressing the dog's dizzy head the dear voice a queer break in it was saying remorsefully oh lad laddie i'm so sorry so sorry you're you're more of a man than i am old friend 
I'll make it up to you somehow. And now, besides the loved hand, there was another touch, even more precious, a warmly caressing little pink tongue that licked his bleeding foreleg. Lady, timidly, adoringly, was trying to staunch her hero's wounds. Lady, I apologize to you, too, went on the foolish master. I'm sorry, girl. Lady was too busy soothing the hurts of her newly discovered mate to understand. But Lad understood. Lad always understood. End of chapter 1